Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Believe in UCLA Football Podcast. My name is James Williams, a reporter and editor for the Orange County Register and the Southern California News Group. And as always, I'm joined here by my co-host, Josh Woods. Josh, what's going on, man? I'm turned up, you know. <laughs> the good guys keep winning, you know. Uh-huh. BC Lions winning, UCLA Bruins winning. Mm-hmm. I can't good- not be happy. And, it's, and and the Lakers start this week. And the, I think the Lakers start preseason today, I think. Yeah. I think. Um, and I, I think you, you had the folks in town, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, my, I had my people up here. So, mm-hmm. you know, Good deal. Great time to be alive. Yeah, so it's a great week for you then, huh? Great weekend, yeah. great week. Um, was, that their, was that their first game watching you in BC? Or yeah, that was, did... yeah, that was the first time up here. Cool. Yeah, so it was pretty cool. Good deal. Good deal. Um, there's a lot to talk about. <laughs> um, obviously, as you mentioned, you're, you're turned up and for a good reason. Uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson, the starting quarterback for UCLA, as obviously everyone knows, because that's what we're here to talk about. UCLA football said it himself. He was turned up after the game and, and rightfully so. Um, he was playing with the uh, fire in his eyes, pretty much like um, I know your game was kind of going you're playing a game the same time the ucla game was going on so you were kind of catching up after the fact but when you just watch it live when i was watching it live and watching it happen uh, i was just watching the broadcast i'm planning on being out to the utah ucla game uh later this week so i'm looking forward to that but watching the game just on tv you could you could tell that something made dorian mad um (laughs) i don't like not during the game but but he was playing with the chip on his shoulder. No point in, uh, no pun intended. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess because there were different articles, and I saw one of them pop up um, from from one of the apps. I'll say a notification came along, and because I, you know, I try to keep up with UCLA all over the place, um, I get little alerts for for UCLA things, and one of them was just a general article about ranking the the best or ranking the current 4-0 teams in college football from best to worst. And you needed a subscription for this particular site, so I didn't actually get a chance to click on it. I don't know if Dorian has a subscription to it, but he read it. Um, I, I'm assuming they were either ranked the lowest or among the lowest as a 4-0 team in terms of the worst ones. Uh, but Dorian mentioned that after the game. He said that like he read all the articles um, about them being considered one of the worst four and teams so far this season, um, yada, yada, yada. And he said, Hey, like I told you guys on Monday, it wasn't us trying to keep up with Washington. It was Washington and them boys trying to keep up with us. And, and he said that on Monday, he said that last Monday going into the game and, and he held up every word that he said, and he lived up to it. And um, you want to just read off his stat line real quick. Do you have the, the stats in front of me? I, I didn't get a chance to pull that up. Yeah, I got it right here. I mean, yeah, like you said, the boy. <laughs> he's playing he's for keeps. Talk, but, he, but he was walking that walk, though. Yeah. 24 for 33 for 315. Three passing touchdowns. Um, and 10 rush for 53 yards and a rushing touchdown. So four four total touchdowns is a stat and, line. And I don't know if it shows. I've heard some people talk about it. I don't know if you saw this highlight more or less, but 
I think he got credited for a, a pass breakup too. That there, was let me check. I, people were calling it that, like on some of the different radio shows and things I was saying. I don't probably know. That, that's probably the highest IQ play I've I've seen in a long time, especially from a quarterback position. Now I had I was talking to a former teammate as well. Uh -huh. I was like, I don't think I've ever seen a quarterback in college do that. <laughs> like I was it, like the only person I, I maybe Brett Hundley do that, but I mm -hmm. don't think anybody else would have done that that particular the, play. I'm trying to think if it happened in the first half. I'm I'm, I'm guessing it happened in the first half because uh, we actually did a Twitter Spaces um, during uh, during halftime with some UCLA fans, and I remember bringing that up. I'm like, you know, Dorian almost throws an interception or whatever or, or whatever the case was. The ball is loose, right, and everyone's looking for the ball. And Dorian and Dorian said today when talking to the media that he was a while everyone else was kind of confused. He was kind of tracking the ball to see where it went. And he saw it kind of land in this guy's this lineman's arms. And he just. I don't want to say he darted himself into him, but he darted himself into him like it. It, it was a smart play. And he and Dorian said it was actually one of his favorite plays, uh, considering he also hurdled a dude, sidestepped two dudes in the end zone and made them run into each other. Um, but he said he was looking dumb. He did. And, and no doubt about it. He said his 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 play of the game was the one where he he jars the ball out of the guy's hands um, as he's trying to catch it. Um, and I thought it was pretty impressive. Like he runs into the dude and he kind of like falls down like a like a like a stack of bricks. But. I mean, football is not pretty. It's not meant to be pretty like you just hey, if you have a chance to knock up the ball out of your guys out of the other team's hand and prevent a mistake on your end, potentially, or a turnover, I should say, you do it. And so obviously it wasn't pretty, but he got the job done. And again, I think that just talks about the character of DTR and what he what his goals are for this team this year. Um, one thing that he mentioned, like, because the, the reporters were kind of asking him about it. Like, tell us about the hurdle play. Tell us about the sidestep play. Tell us about the, the pass breakup. And at the end of it, he was just kind of like, hey, you know, it's like, that's all great and all. He's like, if I'm, I'm all about winning. I'm all about, you know, being here for the guys. Like, if, if having splashy plays is just part of what comes along with us trying to get a win, then I'm all for it. But I think that's actually a good answer from DTR. And again, though, I'm not surprised that he hurdled the dude. He's he's always due for a hurdle. Um, three years in a row now, he's had at least one hurdle. Um, and I, I think he said he liked or enjoyed this one more than the USC one because he said more people were there for it. Um, one, because people were leaving the UCLA-USC game at that point last year. Um, but again, I also thought it was worth um, noting that he mentioned that because, Josh, that crowd showed up. At the Rose Bowl, we'll talk more about Dorian in a minute. But that crowd, did you? I see. I seen because that was we were, we were skeptical on that because it was a Friday yeah. uh -huh. and missing missing a lot of the recruits and high school mm -hmm. kids to you know high local high school games. Yeah, if they were gonna show up, and I seen was forty thousand. It was it was like forty one thousand. Yeah, it, it was a good showing. Um, you didn't hear or see as many people tweeting anything negative. There were some people who were still saying it's a hundred thousand seat arena and it's like or stadium and it's like it, the max capacity is like fifty thousand with those tarps and stuff. So um still got some ways to go. But again, I thought that crowd was great and you even see it, I think early in the first drive it's not like one of the first plays where washington has to call a timeout um pretty early 
Um, I forget what, what happened on the play. Maybe it was a false start or something, but I, all I remember from that, cause I watched it back um, once or twice after watching it live and, and you just see the defense, like they're fired up and you can hear the crowd. It's like, it's it's so night and day difference. And I think a lot of it is too, Josh. And, and you know, you more than anyone would probably know this. I think it makes a huge difference having the games at night. Yes, the tickets were on sale. They're at Costco, the packages, different things like that. I mean, again, there were so many other things that, like you mentioned, with the with traffic, with it being on a Friday night, people go out and about, hit the town. People are doing other things on Friday night. But again, I think a night game makes a huge difference, right? Um, you know, the quality of opponent makes a difference. You have an, a team like, Michael Penix Jr. in Washington coming in there, um, a ranked team, a highly, uh, you know, statistically their offense was highly ranked. So I thought the fans showed out and it showed not only showed out, but it showed, but you could hear it just on the broadcast. Like they were a difference maker. St- Stephen Blaylock, who did have an interception in this game. I think he's up at his uh, 32nd, uh, no, 36th cr- consecutive start in his career. Hasn't missed one since coming to UCLA, I believe. Um, he had an interception and he credited and gave a huge shout out to the crowd and said they were a big factor in that game just for keeping for keeping those guys going, right? Um, the thing about this UCLA too, Josh, was Michael Penix Jr. on the gets they they put the ball in his hands on the opening drive. Um, I think UCLA wins the coin toss, defers, Washington starts with the ball, they march down the field, and he gets the ball into Roma Dunze's hands for a touchdown on the opening drive. And I'm just like, Oh no, this is, this is going to get ugly quick or, or, or this is this, you know, this is, that's what you don't need is the it's, offense it's looking like big, big, uh, it was big. It? it was looking like big Penix energy, but it, but it, it was kind of short lived to be honest. Um, just because UCLA answered back pretty cool. I don't uh I would so actually the most impressive thing is because they did not score or UCLA did not score on its opening drive. If I remember correctly, you might have the play by play there in front of you, but so Washington scores on the opening drive, UCLA kind of moves down the field. I think they get to fourth and goal and are unable to get unable to score and turn the ball over right there. So not only do you give up the first touchdown, but then you have, um fourth and goal situation and and you don't sh- have anything to show for it in the red zone you would think right there like boop if 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 you're going to start losing momentum that's it but you get latu latu and the defense coming up what what would look like a good situation for washington being able to stop them on fourth and goal they're they're pinned in the end zone uh, UCLA is able to get a safety on Washington tackle guy in the end zone and they get two points. And now when you're playing against an offense like Washington, all points are good points. So you didn't get the seven or six points in that touchdown that you wanted on your opening drive, but your defense does come up for you um, with that safety. And this defense did good overall. I mean, I mean, we did talk, like, we talked about that last week. It's like mm-hmm. uh, Penix hadn't been sacked. Yeah, correct. Yeah, and that so, was the big thing. He had not been sacked, was barely even pressured. Like it was almost it was like non-existent. Like, you know, he had all the time in the world. And that was not really the case, at least on on a few different occasions with UCLA. I think they only got one sack on him. I'm not sure about total pressures, but um maybe two sacks. I don't know. Yeah, maybe they- on two. 
Uh, Bo Calver had a sack. And Bo had Latu. one, and and then Latu had one. That's right. Washington transfer there in Latu, Latu. But so you get sacks on Michael Penix, right? And then you get two interceptions. I don't know if, if he was rattled, if he was trying to overdo it. Um, for what it's worth, that was Washington's first uh, road game, I believe. I think they played their first couple games at, at home. Um, they were also 4-0 coming into this game, but yeah, uh, the, it, it, it was it was impressive. And like I had told multiple people, like you need to win this game. Um, a lot of people were already talking ahead of time when the schedule came out. Ooh, 5-0, 5-0. Uh, this team can go 5-0 coming into the game against Washington. We're here. And now that's happening or against going into the game against Utah. Excuse me if I, if I stumbled there. But um, that's happening. We're going to get that later this week. But the, just the way Washington was coming in, ranked and stuff. And again, yep. the, the passion that DTR was playing with. Um, you know, it showed they were hungry and, and, and they were looking to play for keeps and, and Washington was not ready. Uh, they, they tried coming back there at the end, um, and they made the game and kept the, and made the score a lot closer than maybe what the game showed. Um, yeah. Cause by the time I was able to see the score right after my game ended, mm -hmm. I go straight to the locker room, go to my phone. Mm. And then I see it's like 32, 40, a few minutes left. And I'm showing all the Pac-12 guys like, yeah, right, I should have like said, yeah, this is how we're doing. <laughs> look at us. Yeah, Oregon State lost. But look right. at us, you know. And then, um, yeah. And then I was like, but dang, it's like it's time left, mm -hmm. you know. So, yeah. uh, like, I didn't know what the situation was. But, like, looking back and then, like, watching how it's after and everything, it's, mm -hmm. it's like uh, we don't want to – you don't want to have your defense – not being able to finish out games, mm -hmm. you know, which even allowing those points in the fourth quarter and then you not scoring in the fourth quarter, it just, the win would have looked even better if it, if, you know, if it was 1640, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But still credit the defense. I think things that we touched on last week that we were kind of, you know, up in the air about um, with the kind of minimal success that Colorado had in the passing game, you know, mm -hmm. or how we talked about, how it gave confidence to a young quarterback and like, okay, now we have a better quarterback coming in. What's that going right. to look like? And we get two picks and, you know, he gets stats kind of at the end. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the rush defense after we we've talked about it time, time in and time out because all these injuries that are occurring to the, to the, to the interior D line, like how mm -hmm. important that is for your run defense. And UCLA holds UW to 65 rushing yards. Like that's like, that's major. Mm -hmm. um, especially, in college football like to be able to stop the run and make teams have to pass the ball like that that's a big thing to hang your hat on you know what i'm saying and like things to build on the future and like especially coming up this week it's going to be mm -hmm. another big week is is um i and i think i've heard this multiple times too just listening to college football games and shows and different things but like stopping the run is like objective number one like no matter what right like stopping the run, even, you know, Michael Penix is Michael Penix, but you would probably prefer to have them have any team th put the ball in the air, right? Because that makes for more jump balls or opportunities for things to go wrong or, 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 or whatever the case is, but it's kind of, you know, a little bit more safer on the ground, but it is as a guy who played defense and, and was a linebacker at UCLA is, was that always the objective is kind of, you start, you stop the run and then everything else can kind of um, build off of that. Yeah, because once you stop the run, you start getting control and you put the offense in positions where they have to throw it or they, you know, they need a certain amount of yards. So if you can keep, especially on first down, you want to pin them back, you know, keep it first and 10 or keep it minimal. So when you have a second and long, um, 
it kind of limits what the offense can do. Because if you get a, if you let an offense get to a second and medium, second short, they can run pretty much any type of play and take a gamble because they, they know they have that third down where it's so manageable. So mm -hmm. if you can win on first downs and stop the run, um, it kind of closes off what the offense is, you know, can kind of do to you. Um, I'm going to read off just uh, some stats in, in terms of the defensive guys and guys who stood out. But one thing that while you have the stats open, I would would want you to look at because I want your reaction on this is I, I asked yesterday on Twitter, I think, what are some things you want to learn about this UCLA team this week going into the game against Utah? And someone brought up a good point um, that they uh, a few people did. Some people said they want to see um how they like what they could do better or 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 how they can go about maybe doing better on stopping opponents on third down and in the red zone um i kind of looked at the numbers but i would i would rather hear it from you um if you don't mind just looking at red zone numbers third down numbers and and then just kind of give me your reaction when you look at those um but while you're kind of looking that up darius muasau uh, led the Bruins in tackles. He had six tackles. He had seven Blaylock, as I mentioned, with five tackles. And he also had that interception. Uh, Devin Kirkwood also did his thing. He had four uh, four tackles as well. Um, you did have uh, Gabriel and Grayson Murphy. I guess Grayson only had one tackle, but I think he got hurt during the game. I think he hurt his finger, but I'm pretty sure he's okay. I didn't get a chance. I think Gabriel Murphy talked to the media today, but um, I didn't get a chance to listen to that, but I think it might be the pinky finger. It might have broke. I don't know, mm -hmm. but um, I think he got it taped up and was able to get back in there. Um, and again, yeah. And John John Vaughn's had his second interception um, or he had a second straight game with an interception. So he's doing his thing. Um, he was someone I, I guess that was last week we talked to him, but he was um, he talked to the media for the first time and and um, it was just good to kind of see how he's kind of coming along, especially when you have him not there for the the spring because he's in in, in baseball. Um, I think he might be the only Pac-12 player that plays football and baseball. But um, for him to kind of come on later in, into fall camp the way he, that he does and is able to kind of um, kind of have the impact that he's having is is a nice sight to see, especially when K. Madrano uh, continues to be out. Um, I did see him practicing. Um, but he's still not dressing out. So that's something we're still keeping an eye on. And people still want to know about Ali Kaho. I do not know what the status of Ali Kaho is. I know he tweets Latu and they, they, you know, they're close for those asking. I do not have a timetable on Ali Kaho. Um, has he, has he been seen at practice? I haven't. Sometimes it's hard for me to remember to look for him, which is, which is kind of interesting because linebackers are right there. Shush. No, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> no, but the thing is, is like you're keeping up with K. Madrano. I'm looking for at Zach Charbonnet, DTR, and et cetera. But the thing is, is like if he's hurt, like I'm used to seeing a whole lot more guys like by the bikes that are injured and stuff. Yeah. And so I'm always looking over there, but there's like no one over there. Like, and that's the mm. other thing about this team right now is that they're like literally healthy. Like, I think um Grayson Murphy's finger was the only thing. Um, but yeah, but no, you're right. The linebackers are there. But again, I think I would have like just seen him and, and, but he's not there. I think that's the thing. But then again, I don't know where he's at. Um, yeah, true. So, but I'll, I, I need to make it a, I need to make a point to look for it. I think for me, I'm just always looking for K Madrano. And then I, you know, I saw him practice. It was, 
Okay, so if you, I know you're looking at those stats still, or I mean, you probably have them there. I'm just talking at this point, but real quick, if so, here's the thing I want to run this by you. K Madrano, again, we're not going to speculate. We don't know what his injury is, but if you don't, if you don't play since the season opener, but you're practicing in shorts, in uh, shoulder pads or shells, I think you guys call them. I don't know. There's no difference, right? Between, is there a difference between shells and shoulder pads? Or is that just terminology? No, nah, it's just, yeah, if you're in shells, okay. you're in shoulder pads, something. So he was in shells and a shoulder in shorts, but he was practicing. He was sitting in the bag. He was there with all the other linebackers, but he still didn't play. Like, would you think that does that at least indicate that maybe he's close to coming back? I mean, we're not speculating on what his injury is. We don't know. But if he's at least doing that, I mean, is that something where you can say and he wasn't wearing a because uh, usually Coach Kelly. I mean, if you're hurt, you're not wearing you're not practicing or you're not wearing whatever else is wearing. Right. I mean, it could be not an injury, but I'm not speculating, but right, you know, yeah, I they wouldn't just they wouldn't disclose mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um they they chip does a good job of really not disclosing yeah, why people miss games, right. whether it's injury suspension or you know a school thing or whatever. He does a good job of just saying that they're available or not, which sucks for the media mm-hmm. and the fans, yeah. but it protects the reputation of the players so. I don't know what what the deal is with that because if he's practicing, I don't know why he would be practicing and not playing. So like again, that's why because I'm like I don't know if it's because it's not full pads, like because again it was a short week, so I was able to actually see him. I think this was like the first time I've seen him midweek because I'm mainly going to practice like on Tuesdays and they're in full pads. Um, but because it was a short week, everything's moved up, so I'm seeing um, a different practice on that day than I usually would, but. Again, he was out before season or he he played in the season opener, but didn't play after that. And again, that was before school started. So, I'm, I mean, unless there was something, I don't know. Again, it, maybe it's not school related. But again, there's been times yeah. where he would do warm up stretches and then go to the back. So I'm like, if it's an academic thing, I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll find out. But uh, or may, we won't find out, but we'll have to wait to see when he does come back. But again, he remains involved. And, and when he comes back, he comes back. Um, I just know everyone keeps asking me about it. And I'm curious about it, too. But I don't know, guys. You're not, know. Yeah, you're not going to get <laughs> I'm not going to know. And... Um, you know, I could just report what I see. And and when he's there playing, then he's there playing. Um, but did you get a chance to look up those uh, red zone and third down numbers? Yeah. Oh, I can't see the red zone. But third down and fourth down efficiency. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also was looking, they only, both teams only put on the ball one time, which is yeah, pretty wild used to having mm-hmm. only, you know, yeah. But I mean, it is kind of startling seeing four for four on fourth downs for Washington. Yeah. Um, just like, you know, from a deeper perspective of not being able to get off the field, mm-hmm. um, third down efficiency, eight for 15. Again, you might want, you want that a little bit lower, but compared to how UCLA did on third downs, you know. Uh, you slightly did better, but yeah, certain things like that, like defense needs to finish and get it off the field. Yeah, I think because that, I mean, because that's the thing, the offense is going to score points, but you you need the defense to 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 do their part in terms of, you know, I mean, one, you, I mean, if you have the opportunity, you would try and not have them be in the red zone at all, but um, it is what it is. I'm going to look it up real quick because actually, I think what I was looking at was the season, like the accumulative numbers I have here. So, uh, for the opponents in in red zone attempts versus scores, it's well, okay. Well, it says in the red zone, opponents have scored nine touchdowns in thirteen attempts. How do you feel about? That? So I mean that that means almost every time that if opponent can get to the red zone, they'll score. Mm-hmm. 
how do you I mean, how do you how do you fix that like how do you is there i mean there's no drill for that right i mean maybe i guess there is i mean you, you can work the scenario of practice yeah. running yeah running red zone and sub defense but i mean yeah it just comes down to getting a stop you know mm-hmm. stop like like i said making tackles stopping the run um playing tight coverage in, in you know in the red zone areas and just keeping keeping them out i mean i feel like usually Defense is kind of nut up when you start getting to the to the to the red zone and um, you know s- smaller parts of the field because sometimes offenses struggle in those situations. Mm-hmm. I know teams that can't punch the ball in there, can't get right. in because they're re- again your playing calling is restricted. Um, being in the in the end of the end zone compared or the red zone compared to being in the middle of the field, there's only so much you can do, so many different route combinations because you don't have all that field behind you. You know, at a certain point, there's a line. So maybe I mean. Just working on situational periods or in practice. No, no doubt about it. And real quick, I wanted to, I think there was a situation where, oh, here, let me go. Um, because because you mentioned a good point, And I remember like following along with the two where it's like, yeah, it was right here where UCLA was, was, was kind of going for, again, they were playing for keeps. Chip was playing for keeps. Um, so UCLA scores touchdown. So the, the first drive, um, they they turn the ball over on downs because it was fourth and goal. But then you have UCLA um, score on the uh, three touchdowns, uh, a score touchdown on the next three possessions, and then a field goal on the next one. And then you have this situation, Josh. Um, this, uh, do they stay the score at this point? They don't. Um, but. Uh, okay, I'm not gonna try and like look through that. But what what I do want to say is you have Chip Kelly with 23 seconds left. Go for it on. He went for it on fourth down. I'm trying to like look it up. But instead of like kicking the field goal or something, because they were at the. Okay, you're on the Washington 16, and you decide not to kick but you go for it on fourth down with 23 seconds left because because you're trying to i think i don't know the score but they were so far ahead at that point like are you okay with with them making a call like that like they were trying to end the game and at halftime or do you like that confidence from chip kelly in the offense to work always out? gonna roll the dice Is i he? mean i'm i'm a Sometimes I on, feel like he played early on. Safe, he was but... going for no early on. He was going on for fourth down for like those first two years. Mm-hmm. I feel like every fourth and one, everybody knew it was going to happen. They were going to run that, that, that ISO. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to look at, I'm trying to like piece the score together. It was like, they were like, it was like 26 to 10 at that point, more or less. And instead of kicking the field goal, they're like, they're just, they're just going for it. They're just, they just want it. Um, So they don't get it, but. Again, it didn't shake their confidence one way or another. Um, you had a guy like Charbonnet do his thing. Uh, let me see Charbonnet's number. Uh, Charbonnet hits the magic number again, as always. That's always kind of been the secret recipe I've noticed since Charbonnet's come to Westwood. Is you get the man over hundred yards, and you're gonna win the you're gonna win the game. He has 120, yeah. 24 yards, a touchdown um, on 22 carries, and I think that was the thing people wanted. And and that was that's that's the difference too. Maybe you can you could talk a little bit about that too, Josh. Where it's like we were seeing a whole lot of Keegan Jones the first three or four games, 
And, and we love that for Keegan Jones. I think he has another year of eligibility and has the opportunity to be the guy next year. Assuming Charbonnet doesn't come back. I don't know why Charbonnet's going to come back. He would go to the draft. But um, so you're kind of building him up a little bit, but he didn't get the same amount of carries in this game, right? I think UCLA is just all business in this game. And you have Charbonnet taking that that workload. I But I think we're finally seeing what we've been wanting, the three-headed yeah. monster. Dorian, mm-hmm. Charbonnet, and Bobo. Mm-hmm. I like, we were like, I think we've been waiting for the identity. Like, like I said, they weren't playing the whole time. Yeah. They were trying to, you know, figure each other out. We didn't know if Charbonnet was hurt. And then mm-hmm. Bobo still, like I said, figuring things out. And we're like, dang, who's going to be the guy, you know? Yeah. And I think we're finally seeing what, what it, what it is supposed to be and mm-hmm. what it's going to be for the rest of the year, you know? What it should be, be for the rest of the year. Yeah. No doubt yeah. about that. Dorian going to Bobo, and if they're not going to Bobo, you have the best running back in the country to hand the ball off to. Yeah, and I mean, even then, you still have a bunch of guys supporting cast. You know, Cameron oh, Brown sure. stepping up. You know, Michael Zizdiki, mm-hmm. uh, Titus Hudson stepping up. Um, and you still have a guy like Casimir Allen that had a quiet night, but it's like all you still have all these other weapons. But when it's money time, and you know, it, games are online, these big games, mm-hmm. you need your, you know best players to be at their best so i think the three-headed monster when they all do what they do check bobo six catches 142 two touchdowns i mean yeah sharp knight said 22 for 124 in a touchdown that was it um mm-hmm. like yeah that's, that's winning that's winning football like i don't know many teams that can you know mm-hmm. stop the run and the pass they're just they're carving you up from every way possible, right? Whether it's Charbonnet, then you get into Bobo, then you have Dorian running off. Um, did Dorian get a rushing touchdown? Dorian, yeah. Well, how can you forget the rushing touchdown he had with the sidestep? And yeah, I mean, if you're if you're a guy on defense, you're more than happy. It's a good day at the office if you're having an offense uh, put up those numbers, right? Like, you're, no, you're but the, the expectation spot. is from playing defense for Chip is that the offense is going to score every time they have the ball. So, mm-hmm. um, like like I said, like, like last week, when the time comes, you need to get the stops. And they did that, and the offense did what they need to do, and that equals a win. So the worst thing they can do is is be content now with the next two, you know, big opponents coming up. You mentioned Hudson and Ezekiel. I think Hudson started again. I don't know if Ezekiel's hurt, but Hudson started. I mean, at this point, it don't matter, but because uh, they're going to use all the tight ends. But I, but I, I just noticed that um, that Hudson started. But another thing, though, and I, I wrote about it, and we mentioned it with John Humphreys. Um, John Humphreys got his second straight start, um, and he's a guy who had not started games prior. Devin Kirkwood is, I guess, he's in his fifth start now, um, but was not a starter prior, but did play a lot as a true freshman. So you have two young guys. Um, well. Um, I mean, Humphrey isn't necessarily a young guy because I think he's a redshirt junior, but just experience wise. Right. And yeah. And that shows a lot of confidence when and Azizi Hearn, uh, who was originally the starter transfer from Wyoming and uh, Humphrey's moved up on the depth chart ahead of him. He still played a game. I think he had a key uh, deflection early on in the game, if I'm not mistaken. But just those guys, like the confidence you have in guys that don't have the most experience, per se but are able to go out there and still kind of hold down um, for a majority of that game, um, that Washington offense or the Washington passing game, just in terms of they have three solid receivers for Washington, let alone just the quarterback play of Michael Penix Jr. But 
you know, you would think that would have almost been the mismatch and that would have been where they were going to be in the most trouble. Um, and that was not necessarily the case. I don't even know. Did Washington even have a rushing touchdown? No, they didn't even run for a touchdown. So they were making them earn all those touchdowns. Like you're going to have to put, you're going to have to pat, you're going to have to throw the ball in the end zone. Like there's, there were no easy one yard touchdowns from what I see. And yeah, and I guess, I guess it's kind of interesting too, that you had Michael Penix run for 23, 22 yards and only lost a yard. Yeah. When you have, when you get sacked twice and you have two interceptions, which is something that you didn't see a whole lot of, if you're a Washington team uh, playing those first few games at home, I mean, you, you weren't used to that. And, and I don't know if maybe playing on the short week, maybe that Friday threw them off, maybe having to travel together for the first time. And that's why, again, for UCLA, I thought it was important, not for what the color, not who the opponent was in Colorado, but to see them go and travel on the road because these things can happen, right? You could be Washington, you could be world beaters. Um, you know, you have a Michigan state win, yada, yada. But what can you do when you get on the road for the first time? What is it? That's where you're going to learn about your team and you're going to, you're going to know what your team is. Um, and so, so yeah, I, I thought that was, I thought that said a lot about them and, and yeah. So, I mean, th- those were kind of things that stood out for me from the Washington game. Um, were there anything else in particular that stood out to you? Maybe kind of looking back at the stats or, or just what you uh, recall from the highlights? No, I think it just, Glad to be ranked again. I'm glad you mentioned that. And and we'll talk about that in a moment. So, yeah, before we do that, um, I, I think it, it's just important to remind you guys, make sure you guys are subscribing to the podcast. If you're not already, make sure you leave a like or a rating. Um, a five-star rating would be appreciated. Any sort of feedback, either on your favorite podcast platform or app, um, or also just on Twitter. Let us know what you think about the show and how we're doing. Um, if there's anything we haven't talked about that you want us to talk about, we're always open to ideas and different things. And um, yeah, the, make sure you follow us on Twitter as well. I'll be out at practice on Tuesday, which is tomorrow. Um, but then also the plan is for me to be out at the Rose Bowl for Utah and UCLA. So I'm looking forward to that one and I'll be live tweeting. So make sure you follow me on Twitter at JHW reporter. Make sure you follow Josh on Twitter, underscore Woodsy, underscore J. Did I get that right, Josh? Yes, sir. Okay. And then also make sure you follow the show account on Twitter at Believe UCLA. Um, there's a lot of different things I did. Um, I usually do like a top 10 ranking. Um, we do one for the believe network. I mean, I I'll usually post that, but I actually did something different because we are in, um, pack 12 play now. And, and we have at least two weeks for most teams. And we now kind of have a better idea of, of where the pack 12 teams are. So, so I'll get into some of that in a little bit, but I do want to talk about, um, something that, uh, that's that's a little new um, right there alongside those four letters when you're going to be watching the game. And that's going to be a nice, shiny number for the Bruins. They come in at number 18 on the AP top 25 poll. Um, some maybe thought they would have been a little bit higher. I know I think there was like from what I saw and I saw a graphic, but it's kind of they're kind of small because they try to jam everyone's votes in. But I think there was at least five reporters. So for those who aren't familiar, the AP top 25 um, consist of like 60 or so different reporters who all submit their ballot like Saturday night, early Sunday morning. Um, and that's how you get these top 25 rankings. And that's why they come out so quickly that next morning. Um, but I think UCLA had 
five different teams that voted them, I think as high as like 13. Um, so they, they kind of range like all over the place. Right. I I've seen some, um, you know, Kirk, Kirk Herbstreet, uh, give a shout out to UCLA for being one of his top teams of the week, uh, for to coach Kelly for being one of his coaches of the week. Um, I think RJ young from, from Fox, um, had his personal rankings he had ucla like number 14 so it's all about the depends on who you ask right but um ucla could, could have been higher and i think it goes back to your point earlier in this episode josh where you said you know they kind of maybe let them back in the game and and that score because again there's so many games that people have to rank or what or like look at to rank some of these teams that they're not watching everybody. So if you're just looking at that Utah, or, I mean, if you're just looking at that UCLA Washington final score for what it is, maybe, you know, if people were maybe able to watch the game or, or understand how that game unfolded, maybe they wouldn't just be at 18. I think they would maybe be a lot higher along the way. Um, what are your thoughts on, on UCLA being ranked in the top 25 this week? Hopefully it's just the beginning. You know, I hope they don't, like I said, they don't get content with seeing that just right there and, and, you know, don't go out this week and dominate. But moving forward, I mean, potentially in these these next two weeks, you get dubs, that could potentially be a top 10 entry. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, because the, the yeah. way it's looking, I mean, there was a lot of a lot of movement, a lot of upsets and a lot of, you know, this weekend, especially like yeah. SEC and some of these other schools, mm-hmm. just, you know, everybody's you trying almost- to be sure you beat each other up in that conference play. So yeah, you there there was there was a lot of moving and, and shuffling around, and you kind of just knew just from the win on Friday that UCLA was going to be ranked. But it was kind of the more teams that were losing the way that they were, the better it was starting to look for UCLA. Now again, I thought maybe they would have been a little bit higher. Um, I personally am not a big fan of team like okay, you beat the 15th team in in um in Washington, but you shouldn't necessarily be 15. Um mm-hmm. Just because it's kind of like, yeah, you beat them, but then, but you got to be able to continue to do it, right? You can just because you're number one. If you beat number one, you're not number one. Like, you unless can, you're like number two, unless number, you're number, number two, two right? Right? You're right. close, right? If you're close, but if if you're like unranked, like I can't stand when an unranked team and 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 I think UCLA had like some votes um, last week. So, but again, I I think it's like it's just kind of crazy because then you get a team ranked so high. I mean, it's kind of what. It's kind of what Washington was when you think about it. Um, they jumped ahead because they were unranked, I think. And they beat Michigan State. People are now starting to see Michigan State. I think they lost their second straight game. And so they're not looking too good. But Washington's able to take advantage because their opponent has that shiny number next to their their name. And and so you get ranked in the middle of the pack of the, of the top 25. And then you're like, eh. you see them a game or two later and Washington loses the game. So they're still in the top 25. Uh, again, I just think it's super impressive that you have the Pac-12 conference with the second most, the second most in terms of teams within a specific conference in the top 25. Um, they have five. I think the SEC might have six or something, but SEC is always going to be number one. But uh, the Pac-12 well, has, has, the Pac-12 has has five or six now. Five, almost six. So they have they have. I'm going to try and remember the order. I don't know the numbers, but it's USC, Utah, Oregon, UCLA, and then Washington. And then Washington State, I believe, is like the is 26. They're, they have like a lot of votes, but they're like the first one out. So it's pretty impressive. Like this Pac-12 
season is nuts. Now, as they continue to play each other and things move along, things will maybe kind of thin out a little bit, unfortunately, but we'll see. Maybe it doesn't. I mean, the SEC always kind of has um, a number of teams in there regardless. But, yeah, I, I think it. This is this is the most fun I've had. I know it's still early, but this is the most fun I've had kind of following the Pac-12 and stuff because everyone's good. And and I mean, yeah, you got some team. I mean, and, and to the point where the teams that are bad, their head coaches are already gone. Right. We had Carl Jarrell, former UCLA alum, get let go from his job at Colorado. Um, and then you have Herm Edwards a couple weeks ago who got let go from Arizona State. So, yeah, you think Shaw's on a hot seat? Oh, and during conference play, one and three record. Yes and no. No, because it's kind of like it's David Shaw and, and Stanford. But but in terms of like Pac-12 teams and where the hot. Yeah, I mean, your your seat's on fire just because you're kind of that next team. Um, <clears throat> I want I was trying to look for my the rankings that I did have uh, while I look for that. Let me run off the scores real quick. So you had um, and then we'll get into the Utah game here in a little bit, but. You had number six USC, uh, and these are the rankings prior to the new ranking. So um, I'm just reading them off this way. Number six USC beat Arizona State, who kind of gave them a game a little bit. It was 42 to 25. You had 12, number 12 Utah win 42 to 16 over Oregon State. I thought that game would have been a lot closer. Um, we'll talk about Utah again in a minute. Um, number 13 Oregon nice. um, had they all scored 45 points um, over Stanford, who had 27. UCLA 40 points over 30 over Washington 32. And then you had Arizona beat Colorado 43, 20, and then Washington state beat Cal 28 to nine. But as I read those scores off, Josh, the one thing that stands out is especially a lot of those teams at the top, every team who won (laughs) except for Washington state scored 40 points. So you got to have a defense. You better have a defense. And I think is going to win it. Yeah, defense is going to win the championship yeah. of the Pac-12. The uh, defense is just by default because I mean, again, and when we talked about it, um, Washington or not Washington, Washington, Washington is one of these teams, but ten of twelve teams in the Pac-12 had a transfer quarterback come in and start right away. All of these guys, more or less, experienced, more or less. Um, you know, uh, you have Tanner McKee who got who came, who went on a mission. So it was mature and could be a early draft pick, but hasn't been around as long. And then you have DTR who came out, was draft or was recruited out of high school and doing his thing, obviously, as we all know, um, I'm tr- I have the rankings right here real quick. I'll just read them as I have it. I have Utah. Number one, Josh, I have USC number two, and this is just pack 12 rankings after week five games. Um, so again, Utah, number one, USC, number two, I have Oregon at three, I have UCLA at four, Washington at five, Washington State at six, uh, Oregon State at seven, Arizona at eight, Cal at nine, Stanford at 10, Arizona State 11, Colorado at 12. Again, Colorado, Arizona State, both without head coaches or letting go of their head coaches. Um, Yeah, just what what are your what are your thoughts again uh, about just. Yeah, defense, the importance of defense. Like, is that is that something you know with the Pac-12? It's like there's always kind of good quarterback play. So, you know, the numbers are going to be there in terms of, of points. But, I mean, was that something you guys talked about week after week as you guys prepared for each kind of Pac-12 team as a defense? Yeah, I mean, our conference is known for offenses, quarterbacks, throwing the ball, speed. So, usually the team that wins the conference is whoever has the best defense, and we've seen it. 
Um, that's why usually Utah is always up there. No matter who they have on offense, usually their defense can hold them in games and compete for their conference. Uh, when USC is rolling, they usually have a good defense. Mm-hmm. Um, back in the day, Stanford, and then even, I mean, Oregon. Oregon was the only, I feel like the only exception with like Chip and, and back then is they just scored so many points that it didn't matter what their defense right. did. Yeah. Like you just get one, 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 you know, a few punts or one takeover and like it's a dub because you know that mm-hmm. with Mariota and even before like they, they were just going to score at will. I mean, and, and it just gets overwhelming. It just got it just got overwhelming for teams. That I feel like that's kind of the style of play across the yeah, that's the style of play though across across the conference now. As Chip has that now, just like just score, outscoring your opponent, and, mm-hmm. you know. So, no, no doubt about it. Um, <clears throat> so, real quick, um, as we kind of transition into Utah here, I want to read something off from the Twitter account that is named. Chips burner <laughs> 29, uh, 2009. Um, I'm just going to. So, again, I asked how are UCLA fans feeling after the win tonight? And this is what he said. Um, and this will kind of lead us into our talk on Utah. He said, uh, so Chips burner uh, said he's cautiously optimistic. He's really happy for the guys. Like Chip said, a lot to clean up for players and coaches alike. Utah will be an even tougher test. And they shouldn't feel validated just off of this one game, but really, really proud of the team for the way they responded Um, just off just to build off of that. Dorian was also kind of asked about that. If he felt this team um, is a little bit more mature now, go um, being ranked and, and, and whatnot compared to last year. And, um, and, and actually let me, so let me rephrase that. Dorian was asked if, this team is more mature this year or can handle being ranked better this year compared to last year when mm-hmm. it was the first time UCLA had been ranked in however long, I think maybe since your early years um, with the program, yeah, Josh, something like that. So, so Dorian said, yeah, like that's definitely the case. I mean, when, when you consider that, I mean, you had a little taste of that last year, you have a big game with LSU and, and you get ranked for that. And um, I think they were in there for three weeks, but just this team, this year, I think Dorian said is again a little bit more mature because it's a lot of those guys that that know that feeling from last year and this now become is not nothing new because they did it last year, um, especially with those guys that have been around for a while. Um, but but he said I I think you, when you just look at who they have next, right? I I think there's no opportunity for a letdown or not for a letdown, but to let your guard down maybe the way you would have even though maybe no one would really admit it with the Fresno State, but. You know, when you have a Utah team, um, I, I think it you're not really looking to take your foot off the gas. And again, Dorian said, um, now that this team has had a taste of success, um, the team's hungry and and they want to be addicted to success. So we'll see if that carries on into the Utah game um, uh, during or prior to the recording. Excuse me. I did send you some clips just to make sure if you didn't see it that you saw it because I wanted to bring it to your attention, Josh. Um, he's a local in terms of where he played high school. He's from La Habra High School um, in Clark Phillips the third, a guy who led that defense and is um, a guy who's been there for some time. It could be a first round guy in the NFL draft this upcoming year in Clark Phillips. Th- three interceptions, Josh. One for a pick six. I think he had three pass breakups and he only had like one or two tackles, but 
who needs to tackle when you're getting interceptions, Josh? Um, what are your thoughts on just what you saw from, from Clark Phillips? And did you ever have a teammate? Um, I know you've had some interceptions, but do you know anyone who had three in a game before? Oh, not that I recall. I don't know anybody's gotten a hat trick. Mm-hmm. But watching his game and even even through his recruiting process when he mm-hmm. came as official, there was one guy that he always was like following, keeping tabs up with, probably a big bro to him. And he, their games are very similar when you watch is Darnay Holmes. Mm. You you see it you see it in their play style and their swagger both number one. Um, that's kind of why I thought we had a chance of getting him to UCLA because of Darnay who hosted him on his official. I was gonna say was Darnay like, didn't get the job done. <laughs> I mean I can't. It's hard though because Darnay was was Darnay uh, left after that yeah. left yeah. went for the draft after yeah. that and at the same time you should we our record wasn't good mm-hmm. Utah. Uh, did you did Utah go to the or won the Pac-12? They might have uh, they might have won the Pac-12, but he had offers. And I think the thing for the longest, like uh, whether he might have been committed or I think it was a given, but uh, apparently it wasn't. But he was a guy who was like. It's he's going to Ohio State and Ohio State was rolling. I think they had just won the Rose Bowl. Or maybe they won the Rose Bowl. His and, first I thought, year. and then again, that it was because a lot of people thought Darnay was going to do that. So I don't know if oh. he was going to fill the shoes that Darnay didn't as far as like mm-hmm. going to Ohio State. I mm-hmm. remember there's that big controversy of when Darnay picked the UCLA hat at the. Oh, American right. Year. Yes. Remember, I love that. You know saying over the Ohio State hat. With a brother, so, right? Is that what he was doing? His his uh, nephew. Or his nephew. I think it was. Whoever it was. He's like, nephew really the wanted the hat. Yeah. And he, mm-hmm. and he picked the UCLA network. <laughs> so, like, I think, like, and everybody always like not hell against Darnay, but like I feel like a lot of people are like, dang, what if Darnay would have went to Ohio State? So then I thought mm-hmm. maybe they're thinking the same thing. Clark Phillips is like, okay, Darnay didn't do it. All right, he's gonna do it. And then when he chose to go to Utah, I mean, it's yeah. been history since then. And I mean, the success he's having, and like you said, potentially a first round corner. I think so. Mm-hmm. Um, but it- I mean, I I'm excited to see the matchup. With between him and Bobo, I would imagine, I imagine yeah. that they would be the two going at it. Mm-hmm. Um, size difference, but I mean Clark's athletic ability and his just skill—he can battle with anybody. So I'm interested to see how that matchup goes, and you know how much the ball makes its way over there. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. you know, when a certain corner, it's like certain times I feel like you game plan not to go his way, mm-hmm. but. We'll see how that matchup goes. And a good point to that. But real. So before I get to that point, real quick, Clark Phillips was talking to uh, Yogi after the game. And uh, I can't I think it was Yogi. Um, and I can't remember the other broadcaster. Um, I think it was Roxy Bernstein, maybe. But um, on the Pac-12 network. And they asked him, like, oh, tell us about your three touchdowns or whatever the case was. Or, you know, your three interceptions, um, including one for a pick six. And, he, and he's like, have you ever done that before? And he's like, hmm. Yeah, I was telling the guys on the sideline that I had three picks for three touchdowns. Um, you know, so he's like, I, I didn't get to that, but, you know, it's still a good game. I'm like, sir, <laughs> you had three interceptions in a game. Like, you know, but that's in college, D1. In college, right. D1. Yeah. I mean, but that's the expectation he has for himself. And when I heard that, I was like, 
Oh, so anyway, so he was the name. He was voted, excuse me. I voted for him too. Defensive player of the week in the Pac-12 conference. Dorian Thompson Robinson was voting the offensive player of the week in the Pac-12. He had my vote as well. Um, but going back to your point about uh, Jake Bobo and Clark Phillips and the potential matchup there, um, I think even if the ball doesn't go that go to Jake Bobo a whole lot, the way that maybe it did, or you get the production out of him this time around, again, you have Zach Charbonnet still, but I think maybe that's the difference this year compared to last year when you have more options and with the receivers and guys you can throw the ball to, right? Like if they take Bobo out, you still have Titus, you still have Kaz, you, you can still get a little creative with some of your other guys there. Um, Hudson, a hammer mill at tight end along with Michael Ezekiel. Like there's still some other matchups maybe they can take advantage of. Um, so that I'm, I'm real excited to see. And I think that adds to the anticipation of this game. Again, it's a game that's going to be on Fox. It's going to be at 1230 PM Pacific time. Um, I, I'm excited for this game because that adds to the hype. When you have a guy like Clark Phillips getting three interceptions in his game um, and as a defender, and you know, next week he has Dorian Dorian, I think uh, I guess he threw an interception maybe early on, but they just I think Dorian and them just have been solid and not turning the ball over too much, right? So, and and just coming out the game that they're coming off of, like you saw what what the interceptions can do for UCLA, um, and what that defense was able to do with getting the balls with Blaylock and John John. Now you don't want to have that happen to you. <laughs> Use this as an example. Don't let that happen to you because it could be a long night in the Rose Bowl. Um, if Clark Phillips has his way with Dorian and Bobo. So the, those are some things that stand out to me. Obviously Cam rising is a guy who I think went to Newberry park in California. I'm not particularly familiar with that school, but I think it is in, it is in California. Um, mm-hmm. He's, he's kind of, I think he was voted, maybe he's voted second in the preseason um, second team for the conference. Cause I think Caleb Williams was number one, but obviously uh, Cam rising, uh, led the way for the Utah last year, led them to a Rose Bowl appearance against Ohio State um, in the Rose Bowl game. And, uh, you know, Cam Rising is not uh, someone that should be taken lightly, and I don't think they will be taking him lightly. They did lose Brent Keithy, if I, I believe that's his name, um, two weeks ago, um, and they played their last game without him, obviously, and they were still able to score 40 points and continue to keep doing their thing. So we'll talk more about Utah in a little bit, maybe get a little bit more in detail um, and get some insight on them. But I do want to throw this out at you, Josh, and maybe, maybe I, I apologize in advance for bringing this up because you're, you're probably part of some of this. But um, so Dorian has not beat Utah. And I'm sorry, Josh, but I have to do it. I got to let the people know. Um, I have it here somewhere. Um, OK, first of all, um, Utah opened as a three and a half point road favorite Saturday afternoon against ucla but yeah i do want to do bring this stat up to you josh um okay so i tweeted out earlier uh utah has won the last five games against ucla and has outscored the bruins 234 to 99 during that streak sorry josh yeah um, i was yeah i was i was part of some of those and <laughs> especially yeah my last year we played in utah it was cold and we could not score a point Mm-hmm. That was a long game. <laughs> yeah, even last year, uh, Dorian got bumped out or he got knocked out of the um, Oregon game. Kayvon Thibodeau tackles him late in the fourth quarter. So he missed the Utah's game. He missed the Utah game in Utah last year. 
Um, and that was the Ethan Garbers show um, leading the offense, but weren't able to get the job done. I think they hung around for a little bit, but before I got out of reach. Um, but yeah, so some of the, some of the games just haven't really worked. I think even two years ago, uh, they haven't played them five years in a row, obviously, but I think there was even a year where Dorian got hurt in one of those games too against Utah. Um, but what, obviously, so what do you remember about Utah, their style of play, Kyle Whittingham, like, are they just, are they as physical on offense as they are on, on defense? 100%. The thing you always going to get maturity out of Utah and they replaced guys mm-hmm. heavily with guys coming back from their missions, Juco transfers, yep. uh, other transfers. So it's like, they never have to really fully like start over or like, mm-hmm. like they replace with other you know, older. So they're always older and mature. They're grown men. They're, they're grown men yes. compared to the high school guys kind of coming in there. Right. Yeah. So they never had to really start over, you know, a rebuild mm-hmm. as you see other schools. Um, so they were always, you know, older, bigger, stronger. I wouldn't say faster, but they majority of the time, especially like their front seven, they always have a big old line um, and a pretty stout defense. So those things are pretty characteristic of Utah that they're going to play hard and they're going to be sound in those areas. The question is usually that quarterback. And yeah, I feel like that's usually the, that throughout the years is who's that quarterback. If they're healthy there, they always have a decent running game. So it's going to be a battle to see uh, how Dorian can manage the offense uh, versus a good defense. And then if the defense can stop the run, I think if you can, you know, those two things is going to, because I feel like versus Oregon state, like Utah's, offense didn't have to do much because like I said when when you have a guy that gets three interceptions and one of them being a pick six the other one kind of puts you in touchdown uh yep. range and the other one and, and the, the third one keeping him keeping Oregon State from scoring that kind of that really changes yeah. the end of the game and changes the score <laughs> so like because Oregon State statistically did better on offense than Utah I think I remember hearing they about were, that yeah they outscored I, a lot and, and I think like, their starters got... did even mm-hmm. He even throw for 200. Like he threw for 199, three touchdowns. Jesus. What stood out to me was he rushed seven times for 73 yards from a quarter perspective. And that's from like, yeah, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. So again, so they, they rush for, I think, 160. And UCLA has the best rushing defense in, I think, the country right now. Who? I think uh, UCLA has the, the mm, number one rush defense. I haven't. I, I can, At least I in can. the Pac-12. Maybe even in maybe in the Pac-12. I know. Um, I think they're like thirtieth in total defense. Uh, but I wouldn't rush defense. I think it's below eighty a game or something like that. I I wouldn't be surprised by that. Again, I mean, if you just look at what they did with Washington, Washington did a whole bunch of nothing. So I'm like I'm I can look it up, but um, I'm not surprised by. It. I wouldn't be too surprised by that. Actually, now that you mention it, um, just the way they've been playing. Um, let me see. Let me see if I, I can get that real quick. Um, while I look that up, though, I want to run something else by you. Maybe this is a little bit, little bit better or something trending in the right direction. Um, Chip Kelly needs two wins to reach um, a, a 500 record, overall record, during his tenure at UCLA. He's currently 18 uh, for 18 in conference play or 18, 18 wins, 18 losses in conference play already. So he's at 500 in conference um, but he's getting close to, you know, kind of moving things in the right direction. And, and sure, you would rather be like, you know, winning most of your games or a third of your games. But 
for where the program was. And obviously you were part of that turnaround and, and steering the ship in the right direction um, from what it was when Chip first got there and what he had to work with. I mean, I would say getting to 500 at this point is, is you know, something worth noting, I would think. You tell me, you can tell me if I'm wrong on that, Josh. About time. Mm-hmm. You mean for other for other coaches, they might not have had that chance to have opportunity to come back and, you know, get to over 500. I mean, it's good to finally happen. And I mean, I think we've done even even my last year, like we we didn't win non-conference games, but our, our all our wins came from in conference. Yeah. And like we had a ch- we had a, sh- a chance like the last few games of the year to like, you know, potentially win the South, which was crazy. Mm-hmm. Even last year, yeah. I think they were kind of in the mix a little bit. Um, yeah, I think I think they lost against like Arizona State and that was a team they should have beat or they would have been like sitting kind of comfortable in a tie with probably Utah, I think, for that last year. So they're always kind of like a win or two away in conference. And again, we're starting to see some of that. Right. That's why you got to win some of these games and establish yourself. There's no real divisions this year. So it's all yeah. about your best two teams. And UCLA could be one of those best two teams if. If they continue to win these games, the the point I made on Twitter, because I was looking at the schedule and I'm just like, sure, you beat Washington, but you can't take your foot off the gas. Not yet, because you need to you need to beat Utah. You need to beat Oregon. You need at least win one of those two games, I think, for sure. You need to win at least one of those two games, if not both. And then the most important thing is you do not stumble and mess around against a team you are not supposed to lose to. Like, that's the thing I keep saying. I've been saying, don't play down to someone you're ahead. Because if you play Arizona or you play Cal, you can't lose those games. I'm not saying they might not be competitive games, but you can't you can't be hanging or letting them hang around like it was South Alabama. And that's not a knock on South Alabama. I think they won their game last uh, this past weekend, too. So you got to win the game. You're supposed to win. You, you got to win the games you're supposed to win and anything else on top of that's a bonus. Um, but yeah, Josh, I mean, we'll, we'll see where things go. Um, like I said, I'm going to be heading out early for practice tomorrow. Um, speaking of which the depth chart should be coming out here soon. So we won't have an opportunity to talk about it here, but I'll have it in the description below for this podcast. So make sure you go ahead and check that out and see the, um, the depth chart. Maybe Cayman John is on there. Maybe he's not. We'll find out together. Um, but with that being said, Josh, I think that kind of covers everything for this episode. And, and we'll be talking again later this week. Um, again, any, anything else from practice other than tracking down Madrano and, and Ale? I think I think that those are the two things I'm worried about those right the, now. OK, those are the two things. We'll, we'll check in on the linebacker depth and we'll go from there. Um, I'll check on Grayson Murphy, see how the fingers doing. And yeah, everyone else came out of that game pretty clean. If anything else comes along. Um, make sure you check out what we have going on on Twitter. And yeah, is this a bye week for you, Josh? No, we play in Toronto on Saturday. All right. Josh has a game in Toronto on Saturday. So wishing him the best of luck as they continue to push for the top seed in the Canadian Football League. Um, So yeah, with that being said, we'll talk to you guys in the next episode. Thank you so much for your support, for listening, for tuning in. And we'll catch you guys in the next one.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.